when cars start to drive themselves and they and they start to be able to talk to the infrastructure as they will, we can design cities differently. We don't have to think about traffic signals and you know intersections the way we have historically. So as cities are designed and evolved and they and city planners think about them, the, the very nature of how we lay out cities will change. Welcome to BMC's Digital Outliers, a podcast series where some of our industry's brightest minds examine the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace and how companies can find the right blueprint to successfully become digital powerhouses. In this episode, host Brian Solis, best-selling author and principal analyst at the Altimeter Group, speaks with Dr. Jonathan Reichenthal, CIO for the city of Palo Alto, California. They chat about the explosive growth of the world's urban areas and the corresponding demand for innovative technologies capable of meeting the transportation, security, resource management, and environmental needs of these densely populated regions. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I am thoroughly geeking out over today's guest because we are going to talk about smarter cities and smarter companies, uh, but he's also a neighbor. Uh, he is the CIO for the city of Palo Alto. Uh, Jonathan Reichenthal, welcome to the show. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, and then I'll explain to everybody why I'm geeking out. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. It's, uh, it's great to chat with you today. I'm the uh, chief information officer or chief technology officer at the city of Palo Alto. Uh, a lot of people get surprised that a city has an IT leader in this position. It's still relatively unique at the city level, but we're seeing, you know, tech leaders in, in, at the federal level, at the state level, county level. Um, but it, it, it's becoming more and more popular. And it's becoming more popular because tech is moving sort of to the center of everything. And, and of course, cities, uh, as they emerge and evolve um, and, and confront the challenges of the 21st century, you know, technology is going to play this incredible role. Uh, so I've been doing this almost five years, um, which which surprises me. Uh, it's just we're having like having tons of fun, uh, doing great things. And prior to that, I, I spent my uh, career in in the private sector. Uh, so you know, I took this little detour, but but it's amazing, and and so happy I've done it, and and uh, having a lot of fun here with my colleagues and and, and with the council and with our community. So uh, you know, my my life is about how can we bring tech to bear on, on, on the places we live and spend our lives. It really is a privilege to have you on the show. And one of the reasons I'm geeking out is because I've been uh, very excited about the idea of smarter cities, but also the path of becoming a smarter city sort of forces the evolution and maybe in some cases a revolution of how government operates uh, in that to become a smarter city, you have to become innovative in not just the technology you use, but how you use it. And that sort of force changes a lot of policies and systems and processes along with it. So it's a, literally a revolutionary time. And it, the fact that you know you are a CIO at the city of Palo Alto in what is arguably the capital of Silicon Valley, we we have a lot to sort of learn from just watching you and and the challenges you face and and the uh, the ground that you break. And so with that, I'll I'll throw out the first question: is what what would you say is the the, the primary focus of a CIO, uh, not just in Palo Alto but in in general? This is a role that we're starting to see popping up, not necessarily by title, but maybe in focus uh, around the country and and also around the world. I think it really is a response to the growing importance that technology is playing in what you described, you know, this revolution that has just started. And, and we have to understand, you know, why is it happening? Uh, you know, let's get a few facts on the table. The, the world is now an urban planet. We, we have moved from being sort of a rural 
population to, to living majority in, in cities. About 52% now of the planet uh, lives in an urban setting. And it's, a, it's accelerating. Uh, you know, the United Nations maintains that uh, somewhere in the region of about 3 million people are moving into cities every week. The numbers are phenomenal. And over the next, you know, if you, if you do the math, over the next sort of 20 years, that, that amounts to a couple of billion more humans living in an in a urban context. And if you look at, you know, just look at a, your big American city, and it, we can absolutely see with our own eyes the, the stress it's under, whether it's the decaying infrastructure, um, you know, the duress on the transportation systems, the traffic we deal with, the impact to the environment, the whole climate component. By the way, if, if we're going to fix climate change, it's going to happen in cities. I mean, that's where we're going to fix it. So you've got a very broad range of challenges. They're complicated. They're big. Um, not, not easy to solve. Um, you, you have the components of, for example, the, the difficulty that communities are having with their governments, this, this American tension that exists between those two entities. It's particularly bad at the federal level. It's, uh, it's softer at the, at the state and, and, and not so bad at the local level, although we still uh, are, are challenged with it. Uh, you know, we've got, to, we've got to create an entry point for people to feel that they're empowered to change their cities and be part of the change. And so technology really has to play a big role in this, whether it's simply the information systems that, that support things like, you know, permitting or paying taxes or voting uh, or, or, you know, any multitude of, of things that we do when we interact with in a city context. Uh, to an expectation now that you should be able to deal with government like you do with the private sector through a mobile device. You know, um, I, I firmly believe that um, many of the services that we do here in Palo Alto and ultimately in cities around the U.S. and the world should be done uh, through a device over the Internet. You know, um, I, I firmly believe that uh, many of the services that we do here in Palo Alto and ultimately in cities around the U.S. and the world should be done uh, through a device over the Internet. And whether it's a smartphone, tablet, or, or, or otherwise. You know, we've made good progress on that here in Palo Alto. We have well over 60 services now that used to require you to come to a building, right, park your car, stand in line, and deal with the cliche of paperwork and bureaucracy. And now we've moved some of our biggest services to the smartphone, you know, putting government in a box on your device. Um, so it's all tech related. We need, we need tech leaders. We need software engineers. We need data scientists. We need architects. Uh, we have to bring the full extent of technology roles and expertise, the technology industry, innovators, entrepreneurs. We all have to come to the table now and, and figure out how we're going to create the cities we want for each other and, and, and for our future. I had the uh, the opportunity to advise what was called the chief innovation officer for, we'll just say, a, a, a neighboring city here in the Bay Area. Uh, and I remember that one of the frustrations was the, the partnership ecosystem here is unparalleled. But the partnership ecosystem uh, in terms of startups, in terms of experts, if they if they weren't actually on staff for the city, they were maybe contracted is, is, is one way to describe it, but also not necessarily inspired in that even though the intention was great to bring technology and innovation into, into government, government still was government. And curious to, to hear how you're thinking about bringing in this, this partner ecosystem, uh, this expertise, uh, these capabilities, and sort of allowing 
allowing it to work the way that it works outside of government, which is part of the, uh, you know, which is part of the allure of the valley itself. There are a lot of barriers to, to innovating and working with government. Some of them are obvious. Uh, you know, there's just too much bureaucracy. Yeah, if, if you try to sell into government, the entry barriers in terms of procurement are, are tough. And, and we recognize that. Everybody has to recognize that. And, and once you recognize it, we got to fix it. we got to look at, for example, the, the purchasing thresholds we have before they trigger you know, layers and layers of approvals and paperwork. You know, we got to let more innovation into City Hall and let it uh, take hold. we got to be able to uh, experiment and fail like the private sector has more comfort with. There's very little appetite for that, as you can imagine. But we got to allow that. That's part of part of innovating. You've got to try stuff, you've got to fail, you've got to learn. As I think about my role and compare, you know, the, the kind of compare and contrast with my experiences in the, in the private sector, uh, you, you know, I, th- I think government should play a very specific role, do what it does really well, and, and to the extent we can kind of remove ourselves from the things we just don't do so well. And one of the things that I can do uh, that I think has added value here and, and, and as a recommendation, I guess, for, for other cities, is to connect people, connect problems, connect ideas, and almost step out of the way. You know, where we can facilitate, let's, through, let's say through permits or just you know, facilitating the, the, the government workflow, we'll do that. But, um, you know, when you sit at City Hall and you have a, a leadership role, um, you, you have to leverage that. You, here in Palo Alto, I can bring together you know, some of the top tech companies into a room, and for example, we've been talking about the future of mobility, the future of how do you move humans around. This is a big, big topic. If you got into a car this morning to go to work, waited for a train or something, you know how bad it is. You're in traffic jams. It's frustrating on a whole number of levels. And and we're saying, well, that can continue if we don't do anything. The, the trajectory is that it just gets worse and worse. So we we got to do something. We got to think completely differently about transportation as it relates to our quality of life and our health. And then we know that transportation, again, is one of the biggest factors impacting climate change. So it, it really seems like a good topic to, to dive into and try to figure out who are the right people, what are the right technologies, you know, how do we move this topic forward? And so to your question, uh, I find myself in a sort of a convening role. Um, you know, I know who a lot of the players are, both the, the, the public sector providers and um, NGOs. I know the tech companies who are interested in this topic and, and frankly, the companies that think they can see an economic opportunity here. And there is one. Of course, there is. If I can bring these people together, be part of it, be part of the conversation, uh, I think that's a good role for local government. And, and we need to do more of it. Uh, we, we're well positioned to convene people to take action. You're listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to helping you understand the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace. To listen to other podcasts in this series, go to digitaloutliers.com. That's exactly what it comes down to, right? Is taking action, and it's 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 uh, it's it's a multidisciplinary role, and it and it exists on all sides, right? That that people feel like if they want to give their time and energy to the city, then that city also needs to then take action based on that input, and then also communicate the action that's taken. You know, you you sit in a very interesting position. You're you've you've worked in private sector, now you work in public sector. You literally live surrounded by technology. Jokingly, the official car of Palo Alto's got to be a Tesla. 
Uh, <laughs> and you are in a unique position to innovate, not just in the city, but uh, it's fair to say that the whole world is watching. I'm going to break down some some more practical questions, right? So you're you're surrounded now by some of the greatest groundbreaking enterprise technology companies in the world. You're also surrounded by uh, some of the best, uh, most promising startups in the world. And how how does a city, uh, you know, beyond Palo Alto, let's just say someone else within government is thinking about this? How how do you bring these people to the table, and what are those what are the types of roles that they can play in your agenda? I do recognize sort of this privilege that we have here. We are certainly at the heart of Silicon Valley, surrounded by incredible companies. Not every city has that opportunity. Uh, largely, they don't have it at all. So let, let me talk about the, the, the local opportunity and then perhaps how other cities, other organizations can move forward. So, you, you know, here it is about picking up the phone and calling uh, you know, tech companies. What I find is they are extremely receptive. Uh, you know, there is this phenomenon today that People want to work on meaningful things. I mean, they work for companies. They do important stuff. They build important products and services. And here in, in this area, they've, they've prospered doing that. And, and there is a growing movement of employees and leaders who want to do more. They actually want to contribute to their society, to their community, be great corporate citizens. And so when I pick up the phone sometimes and I'll call a, a, you know, a known big tech company, Sometimes I go right through to the CEO. Their question for me is, Jonathan, how can I help? What can we do? And I've seen them, for example, make available their facilities, you know, so we can bring people, uh, large groups, into their facilities and use their rooms, their, their equipment, their staff uh, for supporting uh, some of the events we've had. I've seen them, you know, bring, for example, software developers to a uh, to a group of community members who want to build solutions but don't have the talent. So these uber, you know, smart software engineers come into the room and help these you know budding entrepreneurs like figure out complex problems or how they can uh, how they can actually code a solution to something they'd like to solve there's just these multiple levels that I've, I've observed that these big companies can contribute to and partner with the the other sort of just quick thing that has been valuable is a lot of companies just they love data. I mean, we, I think we have to recognize that. And we have in government one thing of abundance, and that is data. Everything else is constrained. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough skills. There's all sorts of things where government is constrained. But we have tons and tons of data. It's an abundant thing. And, and so lots of organizations want that because it helps them form their product decisions. Um, it also provides you know, important uh, content for their actual uh, products themselves. Uh, you know, geographic information system data is very helpful if you're a company that has uh, a mapping solution or uses maps. And, and there is this movement of cities across the world uh, where uh, let's get the data liberated and, and out to people who can innovate against it, use it for moving the ball forward. Let's get the data liberated and, and out to people who can innovate against it, use it for moving the ball forward. The second part of your question, what do other cities do? First, we should recognize that a lot of the tech companies in Silicon Valley have you know, far reach. So they don't have to be geographically situated in your, in your town, but you know, they're, they're, they may be able to be involved or contribute in a remote way. And, and you certainly should explore that. But let's not just restrict ourselves to tech. I mean, the array of types of organizations in your community should be explored. And so I would say in your town or your city, if it's real estate or entertainment or uh, manufacturing, whatever the sort of key industries are, tap into those. How can they help the city? And, and I think we're surprised because I do see this happening. 
And I think the people who haven't done it yet may be surprised in the ways in which the private sector does actually want to step up and help move their community forward. Not only is your role interesting, but I have to guess just how challenging it is. It's one of those those roles where you sort of invent as you go based on the best intentions in these times of just great innovation around around us, not just in Silicon Valley, of course, but all around the world. I would love to hear how you think about not just what's exciting and what's going to change the idea of the cities and what's going to power smart cities, but also how you prioritize these things and apply resources to them. So everybody's talking about the Internet of Things uh, and mobile uh, and, and the impact on city government and government in general. But we also have connected cars. We have autonomous cars that are on the horizon. We have drones. We have all kinds of technologies that can be uh, beneficial uh, to government, but also requiring you know local <laughs> local regulation and and partnership with other government entities to sort of uh, usher in or expedite uh, a lot of this innovation you know, what are, what are you looking at and and what's what's exciting you and and your work and then and how you're prioritizing it I mean everything you just described is the very reasons why I do this if your background is an engineer or a computer scientist uh, or, or something similar like mine is you're in this because you want to solve problems and that's what we love to do but you also know that some of the things you do, impacts people in a very deep way. It impacts communities that you know, are made up of, of children and people who are in the middle of their careers and, and retired folks and all sorts of people. So you get this, it's enormously rewarding. And I would I would encourage people you know, who haven't thought of working for a city to even think about doing it for a little while uh, because of the rewards it has that are different from uh, the rewards you get in, in different types of sectors in the economy. When I moved uh, from the private sector into the public sector. Of course, I was I was very interested in the opportunity to work here in the center, the heart of Silicon Valley. But I was it was apparent to me that we were at a turning point in how cities were evolving, and that the most incredible innovation that we were going to witness would be happening at the, at the city level. And the, the topic, and you can you can tell in our conversation today, that I'm very excited about is, is transportation. Th- this is an area that's it's going to change much faster than we actually anticipate. Uh, I've had the chance in the last month to ride on a, on a level four self-driving vehicle. Once I had that experience, I was absolutely convinced. You know, there's one thing to see it on a, or a slide deck. There's a different experience altogether to actually sit in the vehicle and have it drive itself confidently uh, along streets. And I've had that experience and it, and it works and it's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. I also had a chance to drive in a, uh, a connected car here in Palo Alto that as we rode around the city was uh, interfacing with the traffic signals. So uh, all the information about the status of the light was, was inside the car. So I knew when the light was going to turn red, when it was going to turn green, and it gave me a timer. And it was like so intuitively, uh, it, it felt so intuitive to me that I was like, wow, this is going to happen quicker than uh, I had anticipated. Uh, so to, to actually witness it and, and to be it, in a front seat of the 21st century, as, as I am here, um, is really an incredible experience. So I, I think we're going to see uh, this happen fast, um, the adoption of self-driving cars and connected cars. What, what ultimately that means is that cities are going to change in how they're designed. Because we've, we've designed American cities around cars, you know, and, and traffic signals and stop signs and, and, and intersections. You know, when cars start to drive themselves and they and they start to be able to talk to the infrastructure as they will using the Internet of Things, uh, we can design cities differently. We don't have to think about traffic signals and about you know intersections the way we have historically. So as cities 
are designed and evolved and they and, and city planners think about them the the very nature of how we lay out cities will change so that's a it's a big takeaway i think for for me and and, and everyone who thinks about this space the second area that that is really fascinating is how we are rapidly shifting from a, a carbon-based economy to a uh, to a non-carbon I'm particularly uh, I'm particularly excited about solar. You know, if you look at solar stocks right now, they're kind of up and down all over the place. You wouldn't get a lot of confidence. But if you look more in the medium to long term, there's enormous promise here. And, and as we shift to effectively abundant energy from the sun, uh, that has a lot of downstream impacts to uh, a lot of things we take for granted in the, in the carbon economy. The bottom line is, let's hope that this is an answer to America's uh, energy future and hopefully a massive contributor to uh, dealing with climate change, which is uh, you know, a near and present danger to, to all of us. Finally, I'm fascinated by the implementation of sensors in, in a city context. We have historically lived in urban environments that, are, uh, that somehow work, but are completely disconnected. And as we start to put sensors on a whole range of city infrastructure, and that infrastructure then has the ability to, to communicate back important information and share it with other infrastructure. You know, the city takes on a, a very different set of capabilities, if you like. You know, when, when we think about the distribution of water, right, clean drinking water, sadly, the numbers on, you know, leaks and how much water never gets to its destination are, are horrifying, you know, and, and in some parts of the world, it's 70, 80 percent of water never makes it through the pipe because it leaks. Uh, here in the U.S., it's a little bit better, but in some communities, not so much better. We got to start putting, you know, low-cost sensors along the piping system, so so we can detect leaks and and stop those leaks and get, you know, this precious re resource of fresh water to everybody who wants it. The other item around the sensor topic that that I think is important for us to think about is the ability for us to detect the quality of air, whether it's outside or or when we're inside buildings. When people are empowered they can take action. And I think we would be uh, uh, surprised once that data is presented by the quality of air that, that of a lot of us uh, that breathe that we're not aware of. So we're going to put sensors into cities. We're going to be able to uh, make that data available to uh, innovators. And it'll come to your smartphone uh, if it's not already there, where you can tell uh, you know, a lot of environmental characteristics about your community. And that'll force change. I think this is one of the um, one of the interesting aspects of living in a connected society is that uh, all citizens all around the world are starting to have access to the type of information and the type of insight and the type of solutions that we just didn't have otherwise. And, and in many ways, uh, your work and uh, the work of others around the world is not only reinventing government, but also giving citizens uh, more insight and more participatory opportunities into shaping the city and shaping the world into a much better position. Uh, and I think that that just never been a more exciting time. So I'm excited for you and your role and what you're going to accomplish. And Jonathan, with that, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Brian. It's been a, a great speaker. Thanks for listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to sharing the changes the modern workplace is undergoing via digital technology. BMC Software is a global leader that partners with companies committed to becoming digital powerhouses. Follow us on Twitter at BMC Software and at BMC underscore DSM.